Thank you, Craig. And we as a church family really need to be praying for them. This is going to be an emotional week for Craig and for Shelley and for their children. And so as a church body, as their church body, we really need to be praying for them. So please commit to doing that this week. Well, on this Mother's Day morning, we're going to continue in our study of the Gospel of John. But I do hope in the particular passage that we're looking at to weave in some encouragement to our mothers this morning and it's a very good passage to do that with and so if you have a Bible this morning um, I would encourage you to turn to John chapter 9 and we're going to look at verses 24 through 34 if you're watching by live stream um, this morning um, you can hopefully you have a Bible with you but if you don't it's okay you can just follow along you'll easily be able to do that as I go through the message and I realize on a Mother's Day morning that we probably have some people who are visiting with us this morning and grateful, so grateful for that. And so I realize that maybe you haven't been here the last couple of weeks. And so I just want to kind of catch you up with where we're at before we get into the passage this morning. When we come to John chapter 9, we come not only to a new chapter, but we come to a new section of the Gospel of John. And when we come to John chapter 9, right at the beginning, Jesus performs a great miracle. He heals a man who was born blind. And this tremendous miracle that, that takes place. And Jesus spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. He anointed the man's eyes with mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam. And so this man went and washed and came back seeing. And when the Bible says he came back seeing, it means he came back with perfect vision. So he went from spending his entire life in darkness, and now he has perfect vision. In fact, when he is healed, those who knew him for his whole life have a hard time believing it's actually him. And he says, I am the man. And then last week, we looked at the fact that they took this man and they brought him to the Pharisees because they knew that the Pharisees fiercely opposed Jesus. And so they bring him and the Pharisees say, ask him multiple times, how did you receive your sight? And he simply says, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. And they say, so who is this man? And he says, well, I know this. He's a prophet. And so the Pharisees begin to wonder if this man was actually born blind. Maybe this is a trick. Maybe this is something they just contrived. And so these Pharisees, who led by fear and intimidation, call for the man's parents to come. And the man's parents come. And they say, yes, this is our son. And yes, he was born blind. But we don't know how he got his sight. Well, yes, they did know how he got his sight. Their son most likely told them that it was Jesus, but you didn't want to say before the Pharisees that it was Jesus who performed this great miracle. And we know in verse 22 of chapter 9, it says his parents said these things because they feared the Jews, because they were afraid of the Pharisees. Well, that leads us to our passage this morning. Let me read for you John chapter 9 and verses 24 through 34. It says, so for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, 
Now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin. And would you teach us? And they cast him out. Well, the Gospel of John chapter 9 breaks down into four parts. We are in the third of four parts of this particular chapter. And our first point this morning is the boldness of a blind beggar. Last Sunday I shared with you that the fear of man is one of the greatest obstacles to the spread of the gospel and growth in our own Christian life. The fear of man, the fear of other people. All of us, every single person here has experienced that time or times in your life, in your Christian life, where you wish you had spoken maybe more boldly for Christ or wish you had expressed your Christian life more fully, but you were worried about what that other person might say or what they might think or what they might do to you. And every person fears someone or some group as I said before, if you meet someone who says, well, I don't care what other people think, well, they're not being honest with you. They're not telling you the truth because they do fear someone, either someone or some group. Could be a peer group, could be your coworkers, could be neighbors, could be extended family members, could be someone else. And I shared with you the way to overcome the fear of man is not by human courage. It is not by human courage. You can't just say, well, I'm a courageous man or I'm a courageous woman. Because when you say things like that, you either start relying totally on yourself or you just become obnoxious to other people. There is, biblically, only one way, as I mentioned last week, to overcome the fear of man. One way. And that is a deep, passionate love for Christ. I truly believe that's the biblical response to the fear of man, that you are so in love with Jesus that it just becomes evident in everything that you do, and it overshadows everything else in your life. A passionate love for God is the only way we can overcome the fear of man. I shared this with you last week, but think of a young man and a young woman who are deeply in love with each other. I mean, they're really in love. They would do anything for each other. They would defend each other. They would protect each other. Or think of good parents and their love for their children. It's an amazing thing to watch. They love them. They protect them. They care for them. And I believe that if they needed to, they would die for their children because they love them so much. And that's the kind of love that we need to have for Christ, the kind of love that we need to have for God. In Revelation chapter 2, it is Jesus' instruction to the church at Ephesus. 
And in many ways, they were a good church. They were a good teaching church. They had good doctrine. They defended themselves against false teaching. But Jesus says this, I have one thing against you. You have lost your first love. You have, some translations have, you have forsaken your first love. You have forsaken your love for me. You have forsaken that passionate, deep love for me. And you know what he tells him? He says, repent. Repent and return to where you have, from where you have fallen. And mothers, this morning, I want to say to all of you, the greatest influence that you will have on your children and eventually your grandchildren and great-grandchildren is the evidence of your love for Christ. It is. When they so see in your life a love for Jesus, you're not just doing the things of Christianity, but you are in love with the author of your faith. When they see it changes who you are, how you talk, the way you treat other people, when they see that, it will have a deep and abiding influence on them. And I'm going to touch on that again at the end of this message. But think of this man. This man was the recipient of a great miracle. His eyes had been opened after being born blind. He spent his entire life in darkness. I don't even understand what that would mean how you would live like that. And I want to say something that's really important to the rest of this message. It is very likely that this man had little to no education. If you were blind in the first century, in first century Israel, the way you survived, the way you made ends meet was by begging. And that's how Jesus found this man. He found him in the temple because that's where the blind and the crippled would go to earn a living. They would beg in the temple courts. So it is highly likely that he didn't have the benefits of an education like maybe other children had. But he did have one thing. He was in love with Jesus. Didn't know a lot about him at this point. Knew he was called Jesus, but he knew his eyes had been opened. And I believe that he was in love with this man, a love that led naturally to a boldness in his life. So that brings us to our passage this morning. And for a second time, the man whose eyes were opened is brought before the Pharisees. And I want to remind you again, because I think it's so important to this passage. The Pharisees at this time, and we really have nothing to relate it to. No equivalent quite like it today. The Pharisees led the people by fear and intimidation. That's how they ruled them. They ruled your every area of your life. They were very well educated. Perhaps some of the most educated men in the world. They were sophisticated. They had all kinds of religious knowledge. And when people would interact with the Pharisees, they would be totally intimidated, just like the man's parents were. They were totally intimidated by the Pharisees. So keep that in mind. Here is the simple, uneducated man. He's standing before these men of great learning and in this context, great human power. In verse 24, it says, 
So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Basically they are saying to him, Confess publicly. Say publicly that this man is a sinner. Say that this man is not from God. And in verse 25 he answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. He expresses these words. He said, I don't know a lot about Jesus, this man called Jesus, but I do know this. Once I was blind, and now I see. And these have become some of the most famous words in all of Christianity. Even people who don't go to church, even people who never read their Bibles have heard those words. Once I was blind, but now I see. They're the first verse of that great hymn, Amazing Grace. I once was lost, but now I'm found. was blind, but now I see. And those words have become throughout church history a great analogy of our salvation. Because at one time in our lives, we were spiritually blind. We were blind to the beauty of Christ. We were blind to the truth of Scripture, but we came to know Jesus as Savior, and he opened our spiritually blind eyes to see Jesus for who he is, to see our need for a Savior, to see the truth of God's Word. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8, the Apostle Paul writes, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For at one time you were living in darkness. You were spiritually completely blind, but you met Jesus. And now you are light in the Lord. Oh, live, live your, li your lives as children of light. And in verse 26, they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And now you can sense that this man who was healed is a little bit exasperated with the Pharisees. Verse 27, he answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why? Why do you want to hear it again? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And I hope you're sensing this He's got some boldness here and a little bit of sarcasm in a good way. So you want to become his disciples? I mean, that's about the most boldest thing you could say to these Pharisees. So, do you want to become his disciples too? And watch their reaction. It is strong. Verses 28 and 29. And they reviled him. That word reviled is a strong word. They were repulsed by what he said. And they reviled him saying, you are his disciple but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. Now, if you've been with us in our study of the Gospel of John, you know that we've seen this multiple times. The Jewish leaders all always appeared to, appealed to Moses, and they always appealed to Abraham. Abraham was their historical father. Moses was their historical leader, but we know they really didn't follow Abraham, and they really didn't follow Moses because Abraham spoke of Jesus. Moses spoke 
of Jesus, and yet they are completely denying the claims of Jesus. So they really aren't, as Jesus has shown multiple times, following the very historical men that they claim to be following. Well, that leads us to our second point this morning, which is really the heart and soul of this message. The powerful, our second point is the powerful sermon of a simple man. In this passage, we have a, a dynamic sermon from an uneducated man who has spent his life in darkness and poverty. I just really want you to think about that. This is an uneducated man who has spent his life in darkness and poverty. He is standing before these powerful, very well-educated men, these very intimidating men. And I want you to look at with me and think through with me this powerful sermon that he gives. In verse 30, he says, the man, excuse me, it says, the man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where it comes from, yet he opened my eyes. You're saying you don't know where Jesus comes from, but he opened my blind eyes. I was born from the day I was born. Blind my whole life. He opened my eyes, and you're saying you don't know where he comes from? Verse 31. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. You know this, Pharisees. Who does God listen to? He listens to those who worship him and do his will. You know that. And he has listened to this man. In verse 32, it's a key verse, key verse in this passage. This man, this simple man says, never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. He is saying to them, this has never happened in the history of the world, but it happened to me. I want you to think this morning, we don't see people going around healing blind people, saying the word or touching their eyes and healing them, despite what some preachers might say it's not happening, where people who are completely blind are instantaneously healed. I mean, yes, we have medical centers where people can go who have been blind or lost their sight in some other way and, and um, through surgery maybe have a measure of their sight returned, but nothing like this. Nothing like this. And he's saying at this time, whole Old Testament, since the beginning of time we've never seen this. He's exactly right. Remember what I shared with you two weeks ago? That when Jesus ministered on the earth in those three years of his ministry from 31 to 33 years of age, Miracles exploded. They exploded all over the place. Things were happening that had never happened before because God was walking the earth. Because God in human flesh was walking the earth and doing these great miracles. But nothing like this happened before that. And folks, not in the same way has not happened since then. Here's a simple man. He says, do you understand, Pharisees? Never. Since the world began, has it been heard from anyone? Or has it been heard that anyone has opened the eyes of a man born blind? It just doesn't happen. 
Then he says in verse 33, if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. You know that. He couldn't do this if he was not from God. I just want to pause here. A simple, uneducated man. And basically, he has schooled the Pharisees. They couldn't refute him. His argumentation, his logic was so strong that they couldn't refute him. He had defeated them in this debate. This simple man before some of the most educated men in the world. And you know what happens when you lose an argument? You either walk away embarrassed or you get angry. And the Pharisees sure weren't going to walk away embarrassed. So they get angry. Look at verse 34. They answered him, You were born in utter sin. Remember the Pharisees believed that anyone who was born blind or deaf, or crippled in any other way. It was because of their sin. You were born that way because you sinned, or your parents sinned. And he says, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? Would you teach us, Pharisees? Is this what you think you're doing? And notice it says, and they cast him out. The word cast here is very important. It's a strong word. It's a physical word. It means they literally took hold of him and threw him out of the synagogue, out of the temple area. Powerful message from a simple man. As we close this morning, I just want you to think with me. The simple man of John chapter 9 should be a challenge and inspiration to all of us. I really believe that. He should be an inspiration to every single person here. He is to me. As I studied this and studied this this week, it was just amazing. This man had little education. Look how he stood up to these men. Let me ask you a question. Who is really the blind man in John chapter 9? Who's really the blind man in John chapter 9? You know who the blind man is? The Pharisees. They're the ones with all of their education, with all of their sophistication. They are the ones who are blind. Let me say to all of us this morning, do not, do not underestimate the power of a man or a woman who is passionately in love with Jesus. Do not underestimate the power of a man or a woman who's just in love with Jesus. As many of you know, I'm going to be on sabbatical this summer. One of the things, one of the things that I want to do while I'm on sabbatical is to ask myself, Am I really in love with Jesus? Am I really in love with him? Folks, it is so easy. It is so easy for our Christian life to become stale, intellectual, academic, just go through the motions so easy. I would encourage you to ask yourself that question. Maybe you should take time to get alone and say, am I really in love with my Savior? Mothers, I want to say to you again, to all the moms here, your true influence in your children's lives, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, your true influence is going to result from your genuine, deep, passionate love for Jesus. It really is. You can...
tell them Bible verses, your children, your grandchildren. You can tell them Bible verses. You can read them Bible stories. You can make them cookies. You can help them when they need to be helped. But they, do your children know that you love Jesus? When you read those stories, do they see in your daily life that you're in love with the one that you're telling them about? Oh, your influence can be powerful as you fall in love with Jesus. And for all of us, men and women, all the men and women here, don't let anyone despise ever who you are. Let this man be an inspiration to you. You may say, well, I'm just a factory worker. You may say, oh, I'm just a construction worker. You may say, well, I never had the chance to go to college. Don't ever say that. Don't ever say that. If you fall deeply in love with Jesus, your influence on your family, your influence on our culture, your influence on the whole world is immeasurable. You could have a powerful impact on the people and the world that you live in, the people you come in contact in the world you live in. Let me end this way. Genuine love for Jesus is infectious. It is infectious. Let us be humble and gentle and in love with Jesus. And when we do, what God can do with our lives is beyond understanding. Let's pray together. Father, as we pray to you this morning, we want to thank you. Thank you for the example of this simple man in John chapter 9. His love for Jesus and his gratefulness to God caused him to stand strong against the fear and intimidation of the Pharisees. Oh, Lord, fill us with such a love for Christ. Fill us with such a love for Christ. And, Father, I again want to thank you for all of the mothers who are represented here today. Bless them. Father, bless them and help them to be strong and bold in the love of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.